0: Nighttime on Still Waters. This is NB 506812, narrow casting into the night from somewhere on Britain's waterways. 14th of November, Saturday. Charcoal sketch tree against the rain-faded sky. Clawed branches tangle in the dawn light. The cormorant is back, pterodactyl winged oily-slick, a universe that barely touches mine. It raises its head and looks up into the sky as the rain falls. At least we hold that much in common. Good evening. This is NB508612, coming to you on the edge of a rain-driven southerly. Thank you for all your comments. They are always very appreciated. And it's lovely to meet up with some new friends. And a, a special thanks to Jane Cox for all your words of encouragement. Again, they are really appreciated. And it's also been lovely to hear from Fran and Rich from the Floating Our Boat vlog. They've also just begun podcasting and I've put the details in the program notes below. Actually their vlog is a really good introduction into life aboard an arrow boat. So if you're wanting to know what it's like to live aboard a boat then um, have a look at uh, their vlog. Please do get in touch. Click a like on the nighttime on Stillwater's Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or Twitter and the details are again in the program notes below. I'm trying to put a, a website together to archive the episodes and also add any relevant photographs and other information. Um, but it's proving a little bit difficult at the moment um, but I'll keep you updated on that. In this episode, I I really want to just reflect upon the canal and the place of the canal in our lives. Unlike most of my friends, although with one or two exceptions, the older I get, the more drawn I feel to the liminal, the margins, these untrod, unbidden edgelands. I feel more at ease there at one there. And I think it's what draws me to the night, the literal and physical nighttime, but also culturally, and what it means to us. And it's perhaps why I feel so at home on the canals, in a way that's actually surprised me. In their way, canals too are liminal, always an incursion in their environment. Those murky, dirty veins of the industrial and the urban, threading through wood, heath and pasture lands, bringing with it the soot and smoke and grime of the Industrial Revolution. E. Temple Thurston, writing in 1911, includes in his book The Flower of Gloucester, some amusing snippets of tracts written in the 1790s by John Aikin and Anna Letitia, castigating the destruction on the land and communities by the canals and the vandals that engineered them. But Temple Thurston was writing at a time when, even then, canals had begun to wear that romantic patina of history. And in many ways his book raises that very same voice, but against the railways and the advent of the automobile. A few feet away from where I'm sitting, metal armco and steel piling line the banks of the canal. They make wonderful mooring points and cheer the hearts of many a weary boater. But there are times when Anna Letitia's words ring in my ears. She might have a point. But then again, if canals act as those liminal spaces, bringing the industrial into the heart of the country, the same too can be said of the canal's place in the cities and our urban centres. Even as a lad standing beside the Grand Union at Apsley and Nash Mills where John Dickinson's paper mills were situated, the towpath glistening with coal dust still, brickwork, soot-grimed, rusting crane hulks at the water side, corrugated iron peeling like bat's wings. I found comfort in sighting sticklebacks, the flourish of green nettle and dock, the moth sunning itself on Victorian brickwork. The canal also draws the country into the city. The Canals and Rivers Trust spend thousands of pounds promoting this old industrial network as a means of encouraging connection with the natural world. And they are right. They may be urban in the rural, but they're also the rural in the urban. It's perhaps because of this that canals act culturally also as those borderlands, those liminal spaces. At school in Kings Langley, the Grand Union cut its way across the valley bottom below the village, sharing, or perhaps probably more accurately, bullying its older occupant, the River Gade. We used to call it the cut, the old vernacular, even those of us who had no connection with it. And here too it functioned as that liminal place, lurking at the ephemeral, uneasy borders of our journey into adulthood. For most, going down the cut, particularly in the evenings, was a no-go area, inhabited by the shadows of threat. It was to descend into a hinterland, where the rules were different. A shrouded land, slightly aberrant, the place at the ragged, uncomfortable edge of adolescence. Where boundaries are crossed, identities tried, regrets are formed. A shadowland of graffiti, cigarette ends, Crushed into the cobbled paths under the bridge holes that smelt of urine, Lonely condoms drowning in puddles, Crushed cans of lager and lime among the nettles, And whispers of atrocities planned. And accomplished. Even its name, the cut, implied its savage, brutal attack on the land, the slash of man made water in a world of green sunshine. Later I was to find its beauty, its draw. By then, the shadow figures hunched over the shared cigarettes had receded into the shadows the canal then is an ambiguous place in the world but not of it even now it's drawing me into those edges and margins those cultural and natural borderlands to go down to the cut wherever it goes the canal doesn't quite fit It's not natural, it's constructed. And it's always reminded of that. An unbidden visitor who has made herself at home and over the centuries she has become accepted but she remains resolutely liminal. And I love her for that. One of my Facebook friends, Nancy Jean Armstrong from America, has been asking me lots of really good questions about the canals and the canal systems. And in the next episode, I'm going to try to answer a number of them. So please join me there. And just before I bid you good night and finish with the rundown of the weather here, if you can click like, if there's a facility on your podcast host, please do, because I'm told that. It does something magic with the algorithms. And let's face it, we could all do with some magic in our algorithms, can't we? So until then, a very restful and peaceful good night. Good night. Outside temperature, 9.1 degrees. Inside temperature, 23 degrees. Humidity ninety one percent dew point nine point one wind direction south south west strength twenty mph. per hour pressure nine hundred ninety five point three and falling precipitation. 4.8 millimeters moon phase waning crescent 0.15%. Sunset, 16, 0.15 percent sunset 1615 sky casting 727.